The Baltimore Ravens and Houston Texans set to take on each other in the division around 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. And the Ravens have plenty of areas where they have an advantage, but also where can they improve? All that and more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for being here and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every single day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms. That's in YouTube and video form and audio form wherever you get your show. So be sure to subscribe, follow along, hit that like button on YouTube. Also, again, if you're Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your audio shows, we are there for you. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when your purse is a Jace case, providing you with personal supplies of five antibiotics to treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. Use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. We're at a midweek edition show here. Had to bring back Jack Settlement of Snapback Sports and the Punchline Pod with a Ravens player you might know very well over there, Marlon Humphrey. Jack, last time we talked was before that Cincinnati game, right? That that big primetime matchup, and that was before the Punchline Pod tailgate too. But our whole topic that day was – is this a must-win game for the Ravens? And we said no, but I think I think this one, th- this game here, it's it's pretty must-win for the Ravens, wouldn't you say? Technically, I think technically, if the Ravens don't win, uh, they might be in some trouble. So let, let's chalk that up in that uh, must-win column for sure. Yeah, and I think again, something that we talked about before the show, I've kind of said all week here, is when you look at Houston and you look at Baltimore. The Texans, they've had a great season. I think they, they've exceeded expectations. C.J. Stroud has looked awesome. D'Amico Ryans is in conversation maybe for coach of the year. I know that might go to a couple different people. But the Ravens, I think, they have everything to lose. Well, the Texans, if they lose, it's all right, cool, you had a great season. So to me, I think that the pressure is on Baltimore, but I think they're better equipped this year. And I, there's a lot of discourse about 2019, right? Like, oh, that 2019 seems going to be the same this year. I think that this version of the Ravens, it's just a more mature version of what it was back then because we've heard Ronnie Stanley, we've heard Lamar Jackson, we've heard John Harbaugh kind of allude to or outright say that, hey, we know what happened in 2019. We still think about it and we're ready to not have that be the case this time around. Yeah, I think I'll I'll give a little teaser for our own show. We've got, we just had the Odell episode on Punchline then coming out later in the week, a little bit of a preview for the game, obviously sitting down with Marlon. And the most interesting thing to me, because the discourse obviously around the Ravens has been 2019. And for whatever reason, just the fact that the Texans are an AFC South team, I think just makes everyone a little more jittery, even though it's not even the same team, but they're like, Ryan Tannehill did it as a 10 point underdog. What about CJ Stroud, right? So uh, I asked Marlon if they had talked about the Titans uh, at, at any point during this week. And so it was only on Monday, so there was still a whole week to go. But at that point, they hadn't. And his take on the whole thing was essentially like, it was such a different team. He, he was like, how many guys were even on that team? So while we are obviously focused on everything around the game, stuff like that, it seems like this team isn't even thinking about that game against the Titans, which take it for better or for worse, 
it's not like they don't know how they need to be more locked in. They're, they didn't change up a couple of their processes, but they're not necessarily worried about what happened in 19 because it's such a different situation. Yeah, and I think one of the advantages Baltimore has is they went through that. And sometimes for young teams or just teams in general, you have to go through failure and experience that and kind of learn from it to get to where you want to go. We've seen it. I mean, there are countless examples in sports and even just life in general, but where you got to go through something like that. And part of that, I think the advantage of Baltimore having the bye week, having the rest. I mean, we've heard multiple players talk about it. And look, Jack, I think the reality of the situation is any team would take the bye week. If they if it, if they were offered an extra week of rest at this point in the year when no one's at 100%, in a heartbeat, any team has taken that, but it wasn't just the, you know, we're going to rest and sit back and relax. They practiced. If didn't last week kind of feel like a full practice week, like they had a game coming up in oh, the yeah. wild card round, right? It felt like that to me, but they had the stadium practice too. It feels like the Ravens players, the coaching staff, everybody was completely on board with that. I mean, I, I liked it. Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. And they took they took off time like Monday, Tuesday, and they were already back by Wednesday of that week. And remember, like these guys were also still they didn't play in that game. Most of them didn't play in that game against Pittsburgh, but they still were in game week preparation. The only difference was they didn't actually go out on the field. So I think that, you know, you don't play for three weeks. I could see some rust being there, but it's not like they're going to let what happened in 19 affect what happens in 23. And I think that's a promising thing for the Ravens and, and all our fans who have a little PTSD out there, which is understandable. I, I'm with them, but uh, just know that it's a little different this time. I think one of the things that I've been hearing a little bit or seeing on social media is I think people are so antsy for this game in particular. And if they win this game, I think they will just be this huge sigh of relief. Like, okay, yeah. The rust is over. They've won a playoff game. They're in that mode fully now. All right, now let's go do the thing. I I, just, I, I, I almost feel that way a little bit myself, right? Where it's like, if there's rust, it would be this game. And then after that, I think they're locked in and there's a mode that goes yeah. in. But you hear Lamar, you hear Roquan, you hear all those guys, the leadership, I think. Not that they didn't have leadership on that 2019 team. I just think it's it's different this time around too where you're hearing it from multiple people Lamar's holding guys accountable Roquan's holding guys accountable you have John Harbaugh who is dancing in the locker room and smearing blood on his forehead like it seems like everybody's locked in and I think that's one of the advantages here is they've had that mindset the entire season not that Houston isn't locked in and isn't ready to go and this that this isn't a Houston thing it's more of a Baltimore thing or an advantage they have is they know what their goal is and they're just so hungry for it right now yeah let me let me remind people of what happened in 2011 before 2012 happened, right? Sometimes you got to go through these transgressions. And look, the this is what I keep reminding people. Could the Ravens lose to Houston, who's a great young team, and D'Amico Ryans has those guys firing? And look, football, it's an oblong ball, 60 minutes. You know, if the ball bounces the wrong way, the ref makes the wrong call. Anything could happen in the game. But I think what's comforting is that it's not going to come from immaturity like it was in 19. It's not going to come from a lack of focus like it was in 19. It's not going to come from a lack of preparation or, you know, any of those things. So while they could lose the game, you do have to remember, like, they're the number one seed. They have home field advantage. They have the best quarterback in the game. They have the best defense in the game. They have everything that you want, and they're 10-point favorites. And I understand they were 10-point favorites in 19. But that is a signal to say, Ravens fans, like it, you should feel good about it. Now, this is my biggest fear is 
I don't think the players are going to necessarily crack under pressure. Like you said, the Texans playing with nothing to lose, Ravens with everything to lose. But I think that vibe can be real. And I think Philly fans mostly passed that vibe onto their team. And we saw it kind of just like drove them into the ground. I'm nervous for Ravens fans. If Houston goes up 7-0 or Houston goes up 10-0, I genuinely believe that the Ravens will be okay. The players on the field will be okay. I think the Rams win this year was the biggest win of the entire season. You come from behind, you win in any way possible. But I know that those fans are going to be antsy. The first thing, there is nothing worse than being in a stadium and you hear that collective sigh. That sigh is a death sentence to your team. So I do remind Ravens fans, like, try and stay positive. Try and understand. Like, I was watching the Philly Bucks game the other night. That is a long football game. I know it feels short because it's only 60 minutes. There's so many plays, so many possessions. Just stick with the team. So if they could get out to a 7-0, 14-0 lead, like, then it would be just hysteria, and I think the Ravens will run away with it. So that first quarter will be huge, but – just everyone, everyone relax, like you said, sigh of relief, but they do got to go and win that game. Yeah, I think, again, people kind of look at Houston as this young, inexperienced team, but they've been through a full season. They've won their, they've won their first playoff game, yeah. and I, I'm a big believer that Houston's going to be one of these teams over the next few seasons that improves their roster around C.J. Stroud. You know, they'll, they'll get Tank Dell back, who they, they're not going to have in this game. It's a good young team, but this this might be a weird comparison, Jack, but I kind of see some of the 2019 Ravens in terms of where Houston is now in their trajectory, right? It's a young team. Baltimore overachieved tremendously that year. All the questions going into 2019 were, well, is Lamar going to take a leap? How big is that mm. leap going to be? And that target just grew and grew and grew. And while Houston's season you know, wasn't as dominant as Baltimore's season was back then, again, it's a young team that, again, could just be in the early stages of what could be a really successful five, 10 years for them. So it's interesting. Plus the home field thing for Baltimore, you mentioned Ravens fans in that stadium, those who are watching, it's going to be an electric atmosphere to start, but the atmosphere has to stay that way, right? For the full 60 minutes, even if, even if Baltimore does go down early, like you talked about home field is real though, right? with what we saw the atmosphere at that Cincinnati game and how Ooh. electric that was. Now this is a four 30 game as opposed to an eight 15 one or eight. Oh, it'll be rocking. It it'll still be rocking. doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Ravens fans have been waiting for this for a long time, a home playoff game, right? It's been a little bit. So I'm ready for that, but we talked about some of the rest advantages, home field advantages for the Ravens coming up in the second part of the show. We'll get into some of the strategic advantages, personnel advantages for Baltimore over Houston. Stay tuned. A lot to get to here on Lockdown Ravens. This next segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. And sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off of our chest, whether it's big or small. Certain things can really start to get to. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. And that is the Ravens playing at 430 on Saturday. I feel like this is the best team in the NFL, right? You get from the primetime spot. No, no disrespect to San Francisco, but Baltimore beat San Francisco. I think you give the Ravens the Saturday at 820 spot. You give them the primetime spot, putting them at 430. It's a little disrespectful 
to me, to be honest. And, you know, sometimes people have more things going on in life than, you know, just how they feel about their favorite sports team, right? So therapy, that can be different for everybody. And most of us do have bigger problems on our favorite sports teams. And it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible, convenient, and super your schedule. You can visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. And this episode is brought to you by Price Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun. So many have had it up to 25 times their money this football season. All you have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less in the projected stats, and place your entry. In basketball season, now it's in full swing. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. League created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players in different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, you can pick those guys at a 10.5 combo with three-pointers made plus receptions. And if you want to play alongside some of the prize picks, favorite players like Rafa McMillan, Community Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays and on the promos tab of the app so you enter some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. Plus, Price Picks even offers a reboot policy so your entry stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. So you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to pricepicks.com slash lock on NFL. Use code lock on NFL for first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash lock on NFL. Use code lock on NFL for first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. We're back on our second segment, Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still talking with Jack Settleman. And when I look at the Texans, Jack, when I look at who they have, I mentioned at the end of that first segment about Tank Dell. Houston's receiving weapons right now. Nico Collins is a baller. He is an absolute baller. He's been the guy this season. But Tank Dell was really good for them. They're not going to have him. They also placed Noah Brown on injured reserve, so he's now not going to be there. That's about 1,200, 1,300 yards that's not going to be available and you're going to have to rely more on Robert Woods and John Mechie. And if you want to throw all the pass catchers, I mean, Dalton Schultz has had a pretty good year for them there. Now, Baltimore's secondary, I think this is an advantage for them. Now there are questions about Marlon and whether he'll play this week and we'll kind of see as the week goes on what that looks like. But even if he doesn't, Brandon Stevens has balled out this year. Ronald Darby's been, I think, one of the better corners in this league in limited action. Arthur Millette's been a surprise in the slot. He's been great. Obviously, with Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams and Geno Stone there, I think when you look at Baltimore's secondary versus Houston's pass catchers, even though Houston is injured, if you can stop Nico Collins, I think Baltimore's secondary just overpowers the rest of Houston's pass catching weapons. I'm with you. And when you actually look at the matchups, and I'm going to remind the people again, even on paper, that does not equate to what will happen in the game. But if you did take what the matchups are and how Mike McDonald calls and runs his defense, keep Nico keep Nico Collins underneath of the action, and that is not where Nico Collins wants to play. They kill you vertically, and if you can keep Nico Collins from hitting that splash play, then put the ball in the hands of the other players, I think the Ravens are in a really good spot. The biggest question mark, and honestly, as people want to compare this 19 and 23 team, the biggest question mark for me is what happens when this team is getting run on? Because in 19, you have one game. It was the San Francisco 49ers. Out of that whole 12-game stretch, the Ravens didn't really get punched in the mouth, right? And so the biggest thing that you didn't even know was a huge flaw was when they were playing from behind. And that 19 team, they really could not play from behind. They didn't have the weapons. They didn't have the pass structure. They were just front runners. And when they got out to a lead, they murked you. But when you had to play from behind, they had some problems. I'm curious. 
if the Ravens fall behind, what does it look like with Houston leaning on what could be a pretty successful run defense uh, for the Baltimore Ravens? So that's my biggest thing with this matchup on that side of the ball. But with the weapons, look, those guys aren't they're not schlubs. They're decent players. But at the end of the day, if you can keep Nico, Nico Collins underneath, you're going to have a lot of success against Houston. And the big thing with the Ravens defense, and you make a great point there, because all season long, it's been you can take the short stuff, you can take the intermediate stuff, but we are not under any circumstance going to let you beat us deep. That That is yep. what the Ravens MO has been. I think they had what, one or two long touchdowns on them the entire season. Jamal Agnew, the Jaguars game, that's the one that sticks out to me. There might have been another one. I might be forgetting about it. Yeah. But regardless, they don't let you win deep. And whether they play too high, they have Marcus Williams roaming. Part of it is also the pass rush is so good. And coverage sacks are a thing. The Baltimore secondary, it's it's both ways. The pass rush has played really well off of the secondary this year. And the secondary has played really well off of the pass rush. But that's what it's been with the defense, where they're so confident in what this offense looks like now. And it has been the case where if you can hold this, this week is the Texans. If you can hold the Texans to a field goal or a punt every single possession yeah. with the way the Ravens offense looks, they're going to put up more points than you put up. And yeah. that's exactly what this has been. It's, it's the bend don't break. You can work it to the Ravens 30. You can work it to the 20, but they're going to shut you down in the red zone. They've been a top red zone defense all season. I think that's an advantage Baltimore has too, where they've had a bunch of players on them this season, or they did Jack where there's like a 40 yard run or a 40 yard catch and it gets them to like the 15 or 10 yard line and the drive ends in a field goal. Like yeah, that to me is down. so big and it's an advantage to me where Baltimore's red zone defense has been so dominant. Can anyone other than Nico Collins win? Can the run game with Devin Singletary, their run game has been a little weird Jack because they, they rode Damian Pierce early and he had among qualifiers. I think one of the worst yards per carry averages yeah. in the entire league was a disaster. They turned the, the keys over to Singletary. It's, it's looked a lot better. Baltimore's run defense, I think they rank 25th in the league right now, but you kind of mentioned it. One of the big games that they had where they gave up big yards was Cleveland. They gave up, mm -hmm. I think, 178. They got punched in the mouth physically. Cleveland out-physicaled them in that game. Other than that, though, they've kind of tightened up a little bit. 150, I think, to Miami and 150 to Pittsburgh in the final two weeks, but that's a big key to me, too. Can Baltimore's run defense stop Houston's run offense? Because both of those seem like weak points for both teams right now. Yeah, I I don't want people to think um, negative or, you know, I, I'm not excited about this game. How I like to approach the playoffs and every matchup that I like talking about is the Ravens are the better team. The Ravens should win the game. The Ravens are the best quarterback. The Ravens have the best defense. So I just want that out there. I like to play a little bit of devil's advocate, right? How could Houston be successful? Because I think, you know, if, if I just told you how great the Ravens were and how we're going to shut them down, is it really worth listening? Not really. So you kind of want to be prepared and understand what might work. And I think you point out that Cleveland game. And that is the prototype. That is the blueprint to beat the Ravens. And it's a it's an anxiety ridden one for the fans because it's run for three, run for three, keep everything underneath, but let them pick up a third down. And then all of a sudden they're eight for 12 on third downs and you're like, we can't get off the field, right? It's not a sexy type of football that makes you feel good as a fan. At the end of the game, you look at the scoreboard, you're like, oh, Houston didn't score a touchdown week one, but it felt like they were moving the ball, they're they're hitting slants, they're hitting Schultz, all that stuff. So I just want Ravens fans to be prepared for what is not going to be 
a walk in the park and how Houston's going to approach the game. But once again, I do feel good about the matchup. I do think it probably was the best matchup that the Ravens could get, even as hot, as blistering hot as C.J. Stroud has been. Yeah, I I had Pittsburgh above Houston. Oh, okay. Barely. I, I, barely. I didn't think Pittsburgh would ever win that game. So let me let me put that aside. I was begging. I was the biggest Steelers fan in the world. We would have beaten them by a thousand <laughs> points, but they unfortunately did not make it through. Yeah. So out of the teams remaining, yeah, I think Houston best matchup for the Ravens. And we talked yesterday on Lockdown Ravens about how perfect that matchup is. But one other interesting part of this game, Jack, is the Ravens' offensive line. It's been a conversation point all season. We know that Ronnie Stanley struggled in the middle part of the year. But then they get this rotation going with with Patrick McCarry coming in and Daniel Filele for Morgan Moses. And I think people are asking, like, are they going to keep doing it? And I'm just like, well, it hasn't. It's not broken. I wouldn't fix it. Like, just just keep doing it. But then you have the Texans' pass rushers. John Grenard's been awesome this year. Will Anderson's been a beast. They have Derek Barnett, who they just got. But the injury report for Houston has Will Anderson and Grenard and these guys with little lingering things. And this is where the rest comes into the equation, too, because not only are they a little banged up there, I'm not saying that's going to necessarily stop them from, you know, getting to Lamar if that happens. But it seems like the Ravens offensive line found something later in the season. We know Tyler Linderbaum and Kevin Zeitler have been rock solid all season. John Simpson's exceeded every expectation that everybody had for him. And then you have this rotation working with left and right tackle. I think that despite how, you know, almost good Houston's pass rush has been, even on the interior with guys like Malik Collins and Sheldon Rankins, if Baltimore's offensive line played like they played in the final month, month and a half of the season, I think they can stifle that. And you just, you have those plays, Jack. It seems like the entire season, Lamar's just sitting back there five, six seconds. And when that happens, Every time I'm like, this is going for a first down. This is going for a long game. Doesn't matter what it is. Offensive line versus defensive line is going to be key. Yeah. That's on the offensive side of the ball. You know, run defense was my biggest question mark or concern. I think offensive line had been throughout the majority of the year. Is that going to return to the mean? Did they just catch luck in a, in a, you know, in a bottle or is this something that's going to be consistent with them through the playoffs? I think it's on Lamar to trust it. Right. Because we have seen this before where he starts to become skittish about bad O-line play, which is understandable because you don't want to sit five, six seconds in the pocket when your guys can't block. So can you trust it? And the one the one note I'll add, the one nugget uh, after playing, you know, my highest level of athletics was about high school and, you know, a little intramural in college. But after spending the season with Marlon, the one thing that I've learned that it never really clicked for me until we kind of talked about it a bunch is that. As a fan, right, we know that a player could be out, they could be questionable, they could be probable, or there could be just, you know, they're normal active. When a player's questionable, right, and then they play in the game, I think as fans, we think, okay, that player almost didn't play, but because they played, they're at 100%. But that's not the case. They're actually playing at a lesser version of themselves. Now, the majority of people are in the playoffs because it's just been a very physical season. But that's what that rest does. And so while Will Anderson is still going to be jacked up, he'll be on adrenaline, and he might not be feeling that pain, his get-off might be 10% less. And same thing with Grenard. So I just think it is important to understand, like, injuries do play a huge factor in this stuff, and these guys will be a little more limited than if they were, you know, back to playing in week one. And it goes back again to the bye week, to the rest that the Ravens have had. And why you choose to rest guys in week 18. And I think even the decision – 
for John Harbaugh in 2019. They've done it differently, as we talked about earlier in the show, Jack, this time around. And I think it's better for everybody because you're not pushing on those injuries and you're not putting guys out there who aren't supposed to be. But at the same time, you're still getting work and still getting reps while also being smart about it and resting. I think it's, it's the best of both worlds, honestly, for what the Ravens could have envisioned for the bye week. And coming up in the final part of the show, we'll talk a bit about Lamar Jackson and C.J. Stroud, the duel that will be unfolding between those two as this division around matchup gets going on Saturday. Stay tuned for that. we got plenty to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. First, this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. And I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That's pretty scary stuff. I can't imagine more helpless feeling than if one of the people I cared about got sick while supply chain issue kept them from life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, they'll be okay with because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat long list of bacterial infections and illnesses, including UCIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff would happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com, complete a physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com, use code locked on to get $20 off your order. We are back with Jack Settlement. I am Kevin Ostriker. Final segment of the show, and Jack, we have to talk about this Lamar C.J. Stroud thing, because as good as Lamar Jackson's been all season, he is probably the only quarterback maybe that you're taking over C.J. Stroud. I mean, maybe it's Mahomes, maybe it's Allen, but Stroud has been as hot as anyone. I think Lamar's number one, and you can make a case C.J.'s number two in terms of how good they've been and what the way Stroud just, all the questions were, well, could Cleveland's defense stop the Ravens and Miles Garrett and that whole thing? C.J. Stroud annihilated them. And I'm a big C.J. Stroud guy. I'm a, I think Houston is one of these teams, again, as I mentioned earlier, they could have a great, bright future ahead of them. I think they do. But with Lamar Jackson, we talked about it, how locked in he's been, how good he's been playing. Second MVP coming down the pipeline for him. Shouldn't really be a question at this point about who it is or not. I mean, there are, there are levels to Lamar Jackson that we've seen over the course of his career. This is, I think, the highest level, both from an on-field perspective and motivation, leadership, whatever it be. This is the, I guess, finalist form we've seen, if that's a word, the finalist form we've seen of Lamar Jackson here. And that, to me, is what I think is the number one reason why people think the Ravens are so dangerous and why I think they're so dangerous, too. Yeah, this Lamar has been very fun to watch because he was always, he was always soft-spoken in the media and a great, humble guy. But I think internally, you can tell the difference. And Marlon's actually shared a countless amount of differences, not only stories from this year, but differences of 19 and even 2021. He got that contract, and instead of like most people, like probably like how I would be if I got paid a quarter billion dollars, all right, you know, I'm still gonna, you know, want to win this thing, but that's it. Uh, Lamar Jackson has gone to a whole nother level, he understands what it's like being a professional, right? I think his conversation with Tom Brady shows a lot of his understanding of that. So, Lamar will be ready. The biggest ask I have is now that Lamar has stepped into that leadership role. We know the standard that Lamar Jackson holds himself to. We laugh about it. He literally thinks if you're in the open field with me and you tackle me, it's on me. I'm the worst player in the world. Slaps his head, you know, that whole thing. And I don't want to see him, or at least I hope for his sake, as the leader and as essentially people looking at him, if, if a drive doesn't go the way it goes, keep that composure. 
And it's not that Lamar is like a bad teammate or Lamar, you know, is pissed at other people. It's him holding himself to such a high standard, but it can throw off the rhythm, you know, if he starts to kind of feel that anxiety. So in terms of this matchup, look, it's tough to like, I guess, conceptualize because the Ravens pass offense with Roman was so bad and some of the pass catchers, but like it's here. The Ravens offense has arrived. And while week one, this is not that Houston team, that Houston team has developed into a much better team. This Ravens team is not that team. I was at week one. There were boos. There were sighs. There were rumbles because that offense was putrid. And the defense didn't even play that well besides a few sacks. Stroud's not going to turn the ball over. And that's what makes him so dangerous in the playoffs. That's where you win and lose games. Joe Flacco, two pick sixes. The game is over. Dak Prescott, pick six. The game is over. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. While Lamar Jackson will not be playing on the defensive side of the ball to limit Stroud, it is essentially his goal to not only put up points, but protect the rock because that's going to be what these two match up with. And if the turnovers are zero to zero, I feel really good about the Ravens. But if we get a little bit of fumbling ghosts that the Ravens have had, and then we throw a pick, that's how you kind of neutralize what where the Ravens have an advantage across the board. Two turnovers can make that a very even game. Speaking of it, in week 18, we saw Melvin Gordon cough the ball up. Gus Edwards did it too. Dalvin Cook comes in here, Jack, and I want to quickly hear your thoughts on that signing because it's not it's not very often, right? Dalvin's a four-time Pro Bowler, you know, coming off, honestly, a really good season in Minnesota, but the Jets, just it just didn't work out. Their offensive yeah. line was terrible all season. Once Aaron Rodgers goes down, as I've said, they, they kind of, I thought, just went and said, what do we have in the future with Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson? And that's really what they were focusing on. Felt like a good signing at the right time. Do you expect a role for him in the playoffs? You know, I think it'll develop as far as the Ravens go. I think the two guys I'm looking at mostly is I think Justice Hill needs to have a huge playoffs. Like that could be a huge, huge piece for the Ravens. I'm not a huge payer running back guy, but that doesn't mean they're not important and they don't bring a ton of value. And so losing Keaton's kind of change of pace there was big, but Justice has done an incredible job of replacing that. And he scored two touchdowns against Houston week one. So Hopefully a little bit of that. I think you know what they'll lean on Gus Edwards for. It'll be short yardage, goal to go, and just getting him 12, 15 carries to milk clock at the end of the game. But I would imagine Lamar's legs are going to be in full full use here. Now, we don't want him doing what he's done in years past where pocket collapse or first read not there. We're escaping the pocket. But I do think one thing that Munkin will probably have been saving and we've seen it a little bit down the stretch are some design runs, especially towards the goal line, right? Where Gus has been the feature player, but using Lamar as a threat is going to be super important. As far as Dalvin goes, I don't see a huge role in this Saturday game. Maybe in pass protection, he could be helpful, maybe catching a pass or two as well. But anything more than four or five carries for me would genuinely surprise me. As the you know playoffs hopefully carry on by the Super Bowl, yeah, maybe maybe Gus is really just a goal to go short yardage guy. He needs eight carries. Dalvin gets eight carries, and Justice gets a few as well. So I think it, it has to evolve. But he he's really excited. Like he's tweeted about it. He's done media about it. He seems to be genuinely excited to be competing for a Super Bowl, and he's always played his best in purple. So I'm excited to see what he can do. That's right. Going from that Minnesota purple to Baltimore purple, hopefully uh, the, the same results in terms of what his stats and role could be if, if it comes to it. But I think it also speaks a little bit to how good Keaton was because Justice Hill was playing really well. 
early in the season. And then Keaton, every touch was 10 yards, 20 yards, 15 yards. And you, yeah. you can't not play a guy like that. And unfortunately, Justice and Keaton, while it's not the exact same game, Keaton is a little more electric, has a little more speed to him and burst. Justice was playing really well. And he mm-hmm. essentially found himself out of a huge role despite how well he was playing. So he comes back, didn't really miss a beat there, which I, I thought, again, with a guy, you, you lose Keaton Mitchell but you still have that burst running back in justice, even though it's not like a four, two, four, three type of speed justice has underrated speed and he's underrated as a power guy too, which I like, but you talked about CJ a little bit, Jack. And again, this is nothing against CJ, nothing against Houston. I think CJ is an awesome player. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. Honestly, he's, he's just electric, but where do you kind of see him? If there is an area where he would struggle against this Ravens defense, where is that? And then where do you think he can maybe succeed? I mean, the Ravens historically success against a rookie quarterback is just off the charts. And now you've got the most experienced head coach in this matchup, the most experienced quarterback against two rookie head coach and quarterback. So I just think that edge probably doesn't get talked about enough because they really have had a nice run. Jordan Love balled out in his first playoff game. You know, same thing with CJ. Uh, Where could he struggle? I'll give you one. And I only know this because my brother went to Ohio State now you know, maybe he disproved it by beating Cleveland. CJ has not come up huge in terms of wins and losses in big games in his career. Never beat Michigan. Uh, I won't throw the Georgia loss on him, but he, his team did lose that game. And when Marvin Harrison went down, he they effectively were struggling to move the ball. So I, I do think that there's a little bit there that maybe you can be like, all right, Stroud doesn't always perform his best under pressure and so that's where i think the ravens get the win is can you put cj under pressure he has gotten to the point and this was pre-draft too but especially now in the nfl if he's clean in that pocket it it's probably going to be a loss for the ravens it really is if he's play action clean pocket if he's just drop back clean pocket and he's got time to throw the ravens are in trouble because like you said they're going to sit back and let him kind of pick them apart to a degree but Earlier in the year, the Ravens pass rush is getting to people in five sacks against CJ in week one. So I think if the Ravens can get pressure, which could hopefully lead to a turnover or two, that's the difference in the game. And that's where you probably got to put CJ under under duress. And one thing I've been getting a lot in the com- comments of this show, I've seen it on social media, is the weather aspect. Houston is a dome team. We know they're a dome team, but you just talked about it. CJ played at Ohio State. And, you know, he that Ohio weather is not as unforgiving up there. Yeah. How how big of a, I guess, weather advantage, if you call it, does Baltimore have? Or do you do not really put a bunch of stock into it? You know, it's interesting. People love to do like the dome versus outside. And I think like Miami, you know, Tua's rhythm was definitely off and affected by the weather. And But they run a very cutesy kind of offense. I don't necessarily say that Stroud and, and Houston run that timing offense that Miami did. And then you've got like Goff inside at home versus whenever he goes on the road, it turns into almost an unmitigated disaster. It's like two different players. Um, I don't think it's going to be that big of an edge. I also think that the Ravens, you know, passing those pass catchers likely enjoy warmer conditions, less wind. Lamar's always struggled with, you know, throwing outside the numbers with wind. I don't think that necessarily just goes away. Like it takes a certain level of accuracy and arm talent. And although he's at his career best doing that, that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect in worse conditions. Now, the Ravens love to run the football. The Ravens love to play hard-nosed football. So 
if the Ravens get a lead, once again, I do think that's where you start to see the weather kind of compound, right? It's harder to pass. It's easier to run. That falls right into the Ravens' hands. I think that, you know, once again, 19, Ravens got behind, became kind of a disaster for them, put up a ton of yards, but couldn't make those cheeky plays in the in the red zone to score touchdowns. But this Ravens team, and this is nuts to say, Buffalo fell behind. Tennessee the first time fell behind. Tennessee the second time fell behind. Cincinnati fell behind. The Ravens have literally not played with a lead in a decade. Like it, it's nuts to think about in the playoffs. And I will say, as I went back and reviewed the tape, the Ravens were elite in the final five minutes of the first half. But they started slow. And so if they continue to start slow, that will put them in another anxiety-ridden, get-off-their-game situation. So, I mean, take us back to Foxborough, Ray Rice, you know, 75-yarder, 80-yarder off-rip, off and that's what happens. That's how the Ravens want to play football, even with this high-flying Lamar Jackson. They want to run the ball, and they want to crush you on defense. So get a 10-0 lead and just, like, put this thing to rest. Yeah, 14-3, 10-0. Those, those are the types of leads I want to see here. It, it, it works so well, and not that the Ravens – can't play from behind i mean i think that rams game was you mentioned i, I agree with you it was the biggest character one of their season yeah. and it's not like they were down by you know 20 points or 17 points but it was consistently like they're down by four here or seven here or three there and they come back lamar leads that what should have been a game-winning drive it was you know the time would have been but the rams tied up at the end so that to me they can do it but if you yeah. get out to that 10 nothing lead or 14 to 3 lead you're able to play the way you want to play and there's yeah. not that uncertainty of, well, can we play a way that we don't want to play? So that, that's really key to me too, Jack. But you mentioned, you talked about it throughout the show. You think this is Baltimore's game, your official prediction. You can give a score if you want to. You think this is Baltimore's win. I've heard you say it all throughout. But yeah. how do you think the game actually goes? Yeah, I think the game is is what the Ravens have done all year, and it's a 31-20 type feel. I think it could be close late. I think it could be a blowout, and Houston maybe even get some uh, some touchdowns in the fourth quarter and make it a little closer than it actually was. So I, I don't know necessarily how the game's going to flow, but what I do know is the Ravens' defense has limited touchdowns throughout this season, and that's how you win football games. And on the other side, you know, since the bye week, essentially, the Ravens' offense, it's like, you know, save for, for Miami, obviously, because that game, the Ravens' offense was off the charts. But, like, every week, they kind of just sneak up on you, and it's like, oh, the Ravens scored 28 points. Oh, the Ravens scored 37 points. Oh, the Ravens scored 33 points, you know? So that expectation of you know not only have the ravens played from behind they haven't scored three touchdowns in you know th in four or five playoff games either so can the ravens offense finally put it together i know the playoffs things get tighter and things get tougher and it becomes harder to score but i i will say the bills put up 34 points the the packers put up 48 points the the houston texans put up 45 points the chiefs seemingly put up 30 plus points every time pat mahomes steps on the field so it can be done and I think we just need to see it be done by the Ravens for it to match their regular season excellence. Let's put these all these skeletons in the closet. Let's put them away. Beat Houston as you should. And then I'm excited for, for what could be a very fun AFC championship. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not one to write off teams. And Houston is a team that definitely deserves respect here. I mean, the way that they played, the way that they dismantled that Cleveland defense. I've kind of settled right along like 
28 to 17, like okay. in that. But it has been more of a higher scoring. And that was really only one good game all last weekend. Like it was really yeah. only Detroit, LA, and then everything else was a blowout. So hopefully the Ravens could maybe do something like that, blowing out the Texans. But again, yeah. I think it, it's going to rely on maybe a fast start to get them going. But playoffs are a whole new season. Literally, literally anything can happen as that goes on. Jack, though, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for your time. Tell people where they can find you and what you're working on. I know you got a lot going on over there. Yeah, appreciate you. I will unfortunately not be at the bank on Saturday. I'm going to be out in L.A. competing in a $100,000 basketball shootout with uh, D.C.'s finest, Gilbert Arena. So unlikely to win that but like you said playoffs anything could happen pressure gets on you know people tighten up but check us out snapback sports my company at jack settlements all my socials and then of course as far as the ravens go the punchline pod will continue so check us out me and marlon every week we just did a episode with odell we've got a preview of the texans coming out and then fingers crossed we'll have a preview of either uh kansas city or or buffalo but kevin appreciate you having me and uh go ravens the links will all be in the description below there and if you've been following along with jack you know maybe about the punchline blessing and uh (laughs) odell beckham comes on the show Hopefully it goes for what, 102 two touchdowns, you know? I'm something, thinking something. it. I, hey, this is, you know what is a perfect full circle moment for that, for not only the punchline blessing. For those who don't know, guests, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, all pros, Kyle Van Noy, career high in sacks, and Geno Stone, career high in interception. So we like to say there's a little blessing here, and it's full circle because the stress of week one and the, the groans, rather, were all about getting Odell the ball and – was Odell worth this money? And now I think like we've seen Odell really turn up over the second half of the season, but this is go time for Odell Beckham Jr. This is where we cash in veteran Odell. We want to see what he was like with the Rams in the playoffs. So I'm most excited for Odell. And like you said, hopefully that blessing pays off. Let's get a hundred, couple tuds, and uh, let's move on to a home AFC championship game. That would be amazing. Yeah, let, let, let's do it. I, I'm all for it. And I know, you know, all those groans in week one, Jack, you wanted the Ravens not to peak then, obviously. You wanted them to peak now. And it seems yeah. that that's exactly what they're doing. So hopefully Odell continues the punchline blessing. And, and hopefully for the Ravens, they pull off that win against Houston. Jack, though, I appreciate you. Again, links to Jack's work in the description below. Be sure to check him out. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Coming up tomorrow, we'll be previewing a little bit more of that Houston and Baltimore divisional round matchup. Stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.